Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Calcio's Unplugged. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the European competitions that have just now concluded. And we will be starting off first with Roma taking on Feyenoord. And so far, this match was absolutely a fun one to watch. I mean, it didn't have as much drama as the um, Europa League where it was Frankfurt versus the Rangers, but it was still one of, nonetheless fun to watch. Um, I'm trying to remember who's he when I, I need to start taking notes. Um, obviously, both teams fought fairly equally, even though I would give Roma the advantage. Um, because just the way their attack is built it was a little bit of an issue for Feyenoord, even though their defense did keep up for the most part with that, with the exception of that one goal that went in from Roma, I do believe in the first half. And overall, start to finish was just like, and obviously this was a team that Jose Mourinho just took over at the start of the season. And there were at it, obviously, we can all attest to Elliot's doubts in the beginning with how things were going with Jose Mourinho, but he does get the job done here, and Roma came away with a 1-0 victory. So what were your thoughts on this match? Well, you know, it's it was a tough one because – you know, it was it was a classic. You know, Jose Mourinho. This is just the type of match he, he wins. For the most part, if you look at his finals that he's won, um, it's not a lot of four three victories. You know, it's close. Um, it's a, it's a small amount of goals. I'm not saying he 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 did never scores more than once, but but if you look at Bayern Inter two 0 to 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 Inter. You look at Roma Feyenoord, 1-0 to, to Roma. Man United against um, Ajax, 2-0 there. So you look at just the way he's, he's conducted his, his, you know, finals. Um, it, you know, number one, he, it is, this is just kind of what he does uh, with his teams and obviously um, winning close. Um, it's never a, a simple victory, but it's one he feels in control of. Um, the only one that he... Um, kind of went through some stuff with was uh, I, I believe it was Celtic against Monica, uh, not Monaco, sorry, against Porto where he won the Europa League. It wasn't called the Europa League at that time. It was called the UEFA cup, but of his five European trophies, that is the only one that had, that was a goal affair where the inter one he scored, uh, uh, sorry, not he scored inter scored, but then they scored their second goal late in that game. Um, by Diego Melito. Uh, you look at some of the other ones, the main United one. I mean, all of all of his performances as far as the way his teams play in these games are very similar. We knew it was gonna be tough because you look at Feyenoord and what they have with with Sinistera and um God, I, I, I always forget the other dude's name, but they had they have two really outstanding attackers. They press a lot. They're very ambitious with the way they play. They're the highest scoring team in the competition. Um, they took down a Marseille team that I'm very glad um, that we didn't have to to see on last Wednesday or whenever it was. Um, but they do their thing. Broma kind of lets them have the ball. 
And that was the plan because Roma may not have the uh, – they have weapons. They just don't have the attacking weapons as far as counter-attacking machine, even though they hit on the counter. But they don't play as aggressively attacking-minded as Feyenoord. So the plan was letting them have the ball and wait for a chance and, and break. And after that, Zaniolo gets that goal. We were harsh on him. Not long – I think a few months ago, we really no, dug into him. it was only like maybe – I would say five, not even a month and a half. No, it was. I remember one of those. It was after the. It was after the Salentina game. I, I'm wait, No, it was the. It was the week before that. So a month, maybe a month ago, whatever. The 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 the, the fixture has been flying. You know, kind of since that particular moment. Um. Anyway, we were we we crushed into him, and then he played. The, the, there was the Salentina game, and Zaniel played very well. Um. Had uh, maybe no, it wasn't sounding. I think that was the bad game, and then there was the game after that. Anyway, I actually don't remember, <laughs> but he played really well. And then he followed the next, like a, a day later, he he scored a hat trick against uh, the Norwegian Hobbits, Bobo Glint. Uh, so oh. I always have to throw that in there. Um, then he's played really well ever since that moment. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's why, but there's we were not the only person saying what he was, you know, what was going on with the criticism and not evolving. And ever since that, he's been very evolving. Remember, he went through two knee injuries. It's been a very difficult season for him. Um, so for him to get that goal, I think, is amazing. Um, but I got to say, the, the ball from Mancini um, that was dipped into the box where he just kind of touches it, I think was fantastic. Um, and uh, obviously, the second half was you know, was was a, a, a carnival act with the amount of attacking uh, play by um, by Feyenoord. They they come close so many times, and obviously, uh, Rui Patricio comes to rescue a bunch in that second half. And Roma play well. Smalling tremendous defensively did did a really good job, and just hold on for dear fucking life <laughs> to get that because I felt I was so nervous. I kept pacing, going to my bedroom, counting to ten to, to calm my breathing down, and I come back out <laughs> watching the game, um, but. They, they get the win, first trophy in 14 years. I think it's a, a great moment for Roma, but that, you know, it was a great performance. But I also, I, I have a, a utmost respect for Feyenoord and the way they played the game and the way they've performed this season. And I mean, coincidentally, I have a friend who supports Feyenoord as well. Um, and we were talking after the game. And um, I think it was just one of those games where it was always going to be Roma's day. Um, once they had that, they took advantage of that one chance and, and you could say the same for the Real Madrid game uh, later in the week, but that, you know, it's just it was a, a, what I would describe classic Mourinho um, type of game. And then on the flip side, you know, seeing that trophy being lifted, and yeah, I know it's a third tier trophy. But I know you have other questions, but I just want to ask you this before I kind of finish my point. In terms of Europa League and Conference League quality outside of the group, so group stage probably different. Do you see a huge difference between the two? Because I think they're kind of similar in terms of quality. I mean, in that aspect, I do see a lot of similarities. Um, obviously, the teams are different, but I mean, you're looking at teams who are pretty much in like the mid table of the team competing for this t trophy. But I mean, to me, a lot of the 
I mean the pace and uh, uh, in how things go is pretty much, in my opinion, a little bit similar in, compared to like the Champions League, which has a little bit more of a faster pace quality to it. Yeah, agreed. So the, the the main point here is the you can't. I don't think we should look at the Conference League in a different way. We should look at the Europa League because. It's literally a point. It's like a place difference for a lot of these teams in this competition, especially in the big leagues. In the smaller leagues, you have second and third place teams in this. Feyenoord finished in third last season, just to give you some context. So it's not like Rome were going up against a team that finished eighth in, in the Dutch league. So it's, but I think the quality of the the Conference League and the Europa League. I messed up. I thought it was going to be like vastly different and, you know, Mickey Mouse trophy, whatever you want to call it. And I consider Europa League a big trophy. And I think on the back of it, looking at this as I think we should look at it in the same because outside of the group stage, I think it's, it's a great thing. And obviously we're fans of Syria. How cool would it be to see Fiorentina next year win this thing? So I think it deserves a lot more respect, and they were they were great. The knockout gr- stage was amazing. So many things, and obviously, but the the, the most for um, you know surreal moment from all of it. And it's not just me celebrating and and then um, shoving or getting um, sparkling apple juice shoved from my nose. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but you know the the it's fourteen years. The 14 years ago, Francesco Totti and De Rossi take down the um, the evil empire in Inter. <laughs> Only joking. Um, uh, lifting that trophy 14 years later. Remember, Francesco Totti De Rossi, Roman-born, Roman Academy graduate, plays for Roma Captains of the Club. 14 years later, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Roman-born captain uh, from Roma, grew up a Roma fan, and is now the guy lifting the trophy for Roma. And I think that was... Just seeing him kind of following those footsteps of Francesco Todi was real um, in terms of what it means to, to us in the city. And you look at that, that uh, parade um, that we had after we, we'd won the trophy and it comes home is amazing. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's all over my Instagram story. and continues to be all over my Instagram story um, of all the celebrations. Um, and just, you know, you see that this, this, there's, this team is always going to be Important, especially in this era. And I think, again, nothing but respect to Feyenoord. Great team. Um, I kind of want to see them. I kind of want to play the next year again in the Europa League. Maybe not in the final, um, but along the way, I think that would be really cool because I think I have so much respect for the way they played. Their coach is amazing. And and we, you know, not a lot of people may know about them. And I think um, at least this team, and I think this team has been spectacular, but obviously as a Roma fan who've been waiting for trophies for 14 years, uh, it was beautiful. I mean... And uh, I don't know which question I want to start off with. Um, let's just uh, talk about the area that was you had mentioned to me during our like Facebook message messaging. Um, you told me to keep an eye out for a key point um, where Ru Patricio like literally pushes himself into the goalpost to save a chance. But is able to like move around a dime to save the rebound. You had mentioned that if this was any of your other goalkeepers, it would have already been one nil at that point. Because, but how crucial 
has Rupert Trishio been overall, not just in the league, but in this the uh, conference league in general? Okay, I'll answer that in a second, but first, I, I want to know what your thought was on that moment. Because obviously we had talked before, and I said that's the moment I knew that we would have lost the game if it was any other keeper. From from your vantage point, obviously, wanting Roman to win, but obviously not invested the way. What was your thought on the importance of, of that sequence? And then I'll, then I'll answer your question. Okay, I was literally sitting here. I'm like, holy crap, Elio was right. If this was any other goalkeeper, it would have been lights out. Just the way he was able to, like, maneuver from pushing himself into the post to save one chance, then to come all the way, like, almost halfway to past the halfway point of where the goal is. I don't even know how I'm describing this right now, but to just to see how his reflexes and how he was able to adapt to the change on a dime to save that second opportunity shows that Rubitricio is definitely the goalkeeper for you guys going forward because, like you said, if this was any other goalkeeper, you it would have already been – it would have probably ended up in some – extra time at that point because I still think Roma would have gotten their goal but just everything would end up becoming a little bit more I would say scrambled because you would be scrambling for that goal but I mean just overall Rupert Tracio goodness gracious and then we have to remember not that one but there was one or I don't remember I think it was right after that where it was like um Oh, what's his name? The Turkish midfielder on Feyenoord, o- Okuku, had the ball, and then he like he like sh- shoots it at the the back of the the defense, and it deflects, and then it lands to their their star man, who hits a missile into the top corner. Even you know that one was was insane as well. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the it was just came right after. I would say like two or three minutes afterward. Yeah, so you can imagine the tension I felt at that moment because obviously Rupetricio makes the two incredible saves. Um, and then directly after that, they have another great shot because, again, all respect to Fana, the way they attacked us. And, and again, it felt like a lot, large part of that game, we held on for dear life. And I felt more comfortable with that situation. But, you know, Rupetricio has been, you know, He's been a consistent goalkeeper for a very long time. He's a European champion with Portugal One, in 2016 Euro final against France. He was huge in that game, um, especially after Ronaldo had gone off. And and uh, he's obviously the work he did with Sporting, incredible. The work he did at Wolverhampton um, was great. And I knew his performances there. And a lot of people at that time were, were saying that Roma got a, a great goalkeeper. And the thing is, he's 34 years old. Or when we signed him, he was 33. But as we have seen with Manuel Neuer and others, you can be you, – you, he still – I think he still has another three, four years of quality left in him. And Roma paying – this was this is why you and I slightly b- differed on uh, signing of the season. And obviously, T- T- Tammy Abraham has been amazing. But we paid 40-some-odd million for him. Well, Rui Patricio, we got this deal done for $13.5 million. You, you'd look at the last three goalkeepers. We spent um, 13, $11.5 on Olsen, who played one season, and we've been trying to get rid of him ever since. <laughs> um, it looks like Aston Villa is going to buy him, and I think he's done a good job as a backup there, and, and I'm, happy, I'm happy for him. And 
and stuff. But um, it's just he's it's taking a long time for him to to get off our books. Then we spent twenty five million on on Paul Lopez, um, who's I think he's a good goalkeeper, but he wasn't the quality we needed. So that's twenty five plus. That's thirty. That's like thirty thirty point five million. And then I think Antonio Morante was free. If he wasn't, he cost a couple million. But this is the amount of spend we spent on those three to help, you know, um, at, you know, replace Allison, who, we, who sold many years ago. Had we bought Rui Patricio then, because he had just gone, he was going to Sporting the next season, so he was an available goalkeeper at that time. And going to go go get him was was obviously huge. And the way he's performed, so many ways. And I've already explained the way he has conducted himself in this Roma team when Roma's defense was not playing well at the beginning of the season. I think he saved us in so many different circumstances. And obviously, you know, just seeing that sequence just shows the the how important he is. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of good goalkeepers. I think Rui Patricia has to be in that. I'm not saying he's a top five goalkeeper, but he has to be in that conversation among the elites because I think he's a world-class goalkeeper and you see the way he's performed for Roma in any other season. We'd probably don't win that game. Not saying we wouldn't have scored. We probably would have scored, but with another goalkeeper in there, we find or probably scores three goals in the second half because you see the, they were under siege the whole time and he managed to keep. And again, Chris Smalling was a big part of that as well, but but Patricio kind of saved the day in, in those few sequences. There were other chances throughout, and the defense played it really well. But those two in particular, uh, you know, I felt like I was I was gonna, you know my my stomach was at my feet at that point, and I think Patricio doing what he's done this season, but in the Conference League, probably been the best goalkeeper, played fifty four games at thirty four years old, made two mistakes all season, and I think that's just a tremendous thing in itself. Yeah, because I mean, just the quality he brings to the team is huge. Um, up next, what is obviously you had doubts about the host they were even signing with how things started off like Rocky for Roma, but he kind of finished the season strong and he also got the conference league title. So, like, do you still do you think he's still the has he proven to possibly be the best option for Roma going forward? If so, what do you think needs to happen? in the summer to like really solidify him having a longer stay with the Gilor Gilo Rossi. Did I I'm close. Jala Rossi. Close enough. <laughs> I like that you tried it. I appreciate that. Um, I like the depth of that question. First off, I was behind the Mourinho thing at the beginning. And then we hit a dodgy period in the middle where I was frustrated with how Things were happening as far as his, his the way he was handling things and the way he was the decisions decisions he was making. Um, so you look at that, and again, I never thought that he was he, he never had this narrative about oh he's going to lose the locker room. Um, I don't think that ever happened. Even in our down moments, we're always a, a unified team together, and I think that's that's important. But I, I just think that. I hate bringing this game up because it gives it, it hurts my feelings every time I have to think about it. But the game, the Juventus game, the second one, where we were, we're no, well, not no man, we're we're in dreamland, and then in seven minutes, it's it's total and utter collapse with Juventus winning that game. And yeah, again, that one that one took a long time to get over. But from that point forward, the rest of the season, 
I, we lost to you guys. Um, I think in in Milan. I think it was in Milan. I think I'm pretty sure the second, the second one. Um, and then we lost to Fiorentina, who again late in late in the year going into Florence was not a not a nice nice time. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not going there to to, to, to you know. It, it was just unfo- it was just a brutal place to play, especially late in the year. Um, and they almost made the Europa League because, uh, but Sampdoria kind of helped uh, us qualify. But those are the only losses since that game. So we went through, I think. It was like 14 or 15 games without a defeat. And I think when he changed the formation from that point going forward, that really helped Roma kind of set themselves up. And we almost went with like a back five where we were, got, we were, we won the back four a lot. And then we went with back three. Um, but, but with the back five, we had more protection. And I think Mourinho deserves a lot of credit for this very specific thing. Giving the, the young kid, Nikola Zalowski, a chance to start regularly at 19 years old in a tournament of this high magnitude in a league where we're really trying to qualify for Europe. Um, I thought that was a risky move, but one that panned out. Because he, he got a couple minutes last year in the Europa League at the end. Um, and he got a few games at the beginning. But but once he started playing regularly, he kept improving, improving, and improving. And we saw the progression that we saw under him. And, and with him and obviously Karsdorp on the other side, very similar type of players, getting the best out of those situations. And obviously the way he, he kind of handled that team going uh, kind of from that point forward was amazing. Obviously, the summer is is going to be a huge one. Um, the first thing I like to see for him to keep to kind of go forward with this is is um, again for people who do not do not watch this Roman team every week. This might sound strange or ridiculous, but Brian Cristante getting extended is really important to me. He may not be the most gifted player or the most talented or the best player, but he's important for what Roma does. And he he, he provides something within the game, but with, with also the leadership and sort of the versatility that Roma have, the, a lot of options. He started the Europa League final – or, sorry, um, Conference League final, uh, you know, when we won it. Um, and then – Obviously, getting a Zaniolo a new contract is is important too. Um, just so these um, these uh, you know these you know narrative about that that he's available will get shut to to bed, um, especially after AC Milan's ridiculous um, Spurs and AC Milan have both um, uh, submitted ridiculous bids for Zaniolo. And now that Zaniolo has hit well on the second half of the season. Um, I think he's starting to look like the player he was a few years ago before he got injured. So that's an important thing, getting him that deal done. And obviously going forward, getting, um, getting more depth, getting more quality in the team. Um, you know, you could look at uh, – uh, we, we want a little bit more um, depth – for um for the wing back position to give Rick Carsdorp a little more rest because dude has have literally had to play every single minute this season and I feel bad for him because we don't have any coverage on that side especially because um, Spinet Solo was out now he's back but still that side is, is he's just there's no one else who can play there um so I'm hoping for someone like Kostic um but obviously that then obviously the midfield needs some help there's a few names that that will come uh, that comes to my head but. But we'll just see what we do. But I want to be aggressive. I want to 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 have that. And I think winning this league, conference league, gives us some um, 
I don't know, the recruitment will help with recruitment in the next season. And obviously there's, we're linked with a few guys, Rodrigo DePaul and uh, the, the highly rated midfielder from Brighton also on the list. Um, I think we'll land a big um, fish somewhere, not maybe not significantly huge, but we'll, we'll find a way to, to build this team. And once we upgrade our squad, I think, um, I don't. I think we're we're a thir- third place, fourteenth place team next season, um, with everything. And obviously, I hear rival fans talk about this. The way Mourinho has shaped this team over over this season to really into something special. And, and um, yeah, I think there's 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 no reason to be pessimistic about what we have now because Mourinho has proven we had one for fourteen years. He arrives and wins his first season. So I think he's a serial winner, one of the greatest managers of all time. Maybe not what he once was, but still, still can do the job specifically and certainly. I mean, just with what Jose did with the team that it was given. Obviously, you had Zaniola who was struggling to like get back to the way he once was. Obviously, when you have two ACL injuries, one leg, and then the other leg, I think a lot of it stemmed the reason why he was kind of like greedy and stuff was he was trying to prove that he could still play to a high caliber, but failing to remember that you also have to work as a team. So I think when you go through injury and setbacks, you kind of want to, you have to like prove to yourself, oh, can I, can I still do this? Can I still score goals? Can I still do this? Instead of yeah. working. I mean, if you work as a team, those things will come. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, second half of the season, he's he's been more selfless. Even in one situation, he didn't score. He would, he makes the right plays. And I had a, a Facebook post in a game that we did not play well in, and I, it was a pass that Zaniola played. And I'm like, that's the one. Thank you. That is what I've been looking for. And I think the, with that, I think it's the it's frustrating because Zaniola was this untouchable player for Roma. Um, as far as, as building the team, and he was one of the key corners of of the squad, and he wants to be at it. He wants to be here. He's made that clear, but he wants. He also wants to be in that area where. If let's be honest, if someone call, if someone calls um, Roma about Pellegrini, what what are we doing to the phone? What are we doing to the phone? You guys are not answering it. We're hanging up. We're we're not interested in dealing. You could you, there's. You know, first of all, if that would have happened, he doesn't he doesn't want to leave. He's living his dream right now. Um, secondly, yeah, we're just not we're not selling. He's untouchable. Rui Patricio is also untouchable. Tammy Abraham is untouchable. Obviously, he has he has a release clause, not a release clause, sorry, a buyback clause from Chelsea. But outside of that, he's untouchable. Those those three players aren't being dealt no matter what. The thing is. Zaniolo once wanted to be a part of that group that that the club looks at as not not negotiable with, right? And I think he wanted to to you know show himself and prove his colors by scoring goals. And at times this season he was he he focused too much on that. Um, but then obviously he had the big game in the, in the conference league, scores a hat trick, first of his career, and then it took the pressure off, and he became more of a team player as he was, and now. The, the again the communication with him and Pellegrini and, and Abraham have, have been amazing but no I think that that's a really important point that you just made there yeah and then I mean then you also have other players like you just mentioned P- Pellegrini 
and Sammy Abraham at the beginning having not understanding each other at least vocally, but the body language. I mean, I obviously once you work on creating like the midfield depth along with like some also defensive and like attacking on the attacking side, Jose Mourinho is known for putting decent teams together and with the right signings and with um the right motivation and continuing to work with the players along. And that is one thing I do admire about Roma is that you guys are relying on younger talent. Whereas that is, you don't, thing. you don't do it at all. How many, you have Bastoni. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we had Pinamonte who did at least when he was allowed to start on the team for us last season was doing really good, or at least starting to form as a player on this first team. But what do we do again? Here you go out on a low. Esposito, you go out on a low too. Uh, what is what's that guy's name? Lazaro or you, something? You know the He's problem with this, too. Danielle. I'm real talk. I want to talk about this real quick. Do you know what the problem with with this situation is? If I asked you who's the best player in Inter's Primavera, you don't have an answer, do you? No, exactly. And we—the funny thing about that—and this is this is the problem with Inter. I don't—I don't need to flip the script here, but but me, Marcus, and others have been talking about Zalowski for three years. We've known about his him. We've known about other players who've come through. We've known about um, Volpato. We've known about Aguardo Bove. We've known about, and I could I could name some players in the the youth system now that you don't know. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? So I think part of the problem with Inter in, in that aspect is your fan base is not aware of the young players coming up through the, the youth system, which is a problem. And if you look at all the players that went through Roma's youth system that don't play there anymore, like Skamaka, like um, uh, the other the other midfielder, Sassuolo, some of the others all kind of went through the Roma youth system as well. So it's, it's a very – whether we keep them or not is not really the point. The point is we're, go- we're, we're developing these players, and some of them are making them the team, some of them aren't. But the problem is Inter is you have them there, and then Zaniola was in your, in your back garden, and you just let him um, go for a player who played for you for one season. So I think Inter-wise, I think that's, that's something that Inter- Roma does that Inter doesn't, even though there's serious gaps of quality between the, our two teams. Exactly. Like, I didn't even know about because seriously, I know we have a Primavera team, but I really didn't know about it. The only time I heard about it this week was when Inter Roma in like the Primavera like title or something. I don't know what the heck it is, but other than that, that was the only time I had heard anything about our Primavera side. So, and I mean, yeah, you have a lot of these. In my intergroup chats, you do have people who know about them because they're able to like follow it more closely. Whereas I'm yeah, like, but it's, who the it's heck not, are you? yeah, but it's not like a genuine thing where between every all the inter fans that they, they know uh, 
this player, this player, this player in the Inter Academy, where Roma fans know about their academy. I'm not, it's, and I don't think it's down to people who have been were supporting the club for this amount of time, for this amount of time. It's the fact that you don't have a lot of prospects coming through that that are intriguing to the rest of of this. Because you look at Roma's team this season, we had uh, Zalowski, we had um, uh, Vol- Zopato play, Agordo Bove, um, Darbo, who didn't really play that much this season, but played last season, and then you had Felix Safina, the the young um, uh, Nigerian, um, not Nigerian, uh, I think he's from Ghana, Ghanaian player in that team as well. So, so you look at the team just in Ro- Roma's roster, the amount of guys who've come through that academy, um, and then there's ones that that have gone through and left as well. Where inter- it doesn't seem like they're putting out the talent. Not to say that the team, your Primavera team, plays well and they do well in that league. But you're not really taking any of those players out of there into the first team other than um, Bastoni and DeMarco. But I'm not even mentioning DeMarco because I don't think he's going to be there next season. That's just my gut feeling because it doesn't seem like he's he's a valuable piece to enter at least. Yeah, I kind of have that feeling too. I mean, but yeah, I and like I was saying with the whole Jose Mourinho thing, I mean, like with the at least a good couple key signings, I think Roma will be in good shape. Okay, the last one I can really think of that I would, I know it's only three questions, but I tried. So obviously there are those players that you probably don't expect well to do in a well in a tournament setting. So what player did you think wasn't going to be able to like perform to the level in this tournament, but ended up going above and beyond? That makes. <sighs> Okay, so someone who not not someone not someone like I don't rate, but someone who I didn't think would have made a, a big step up in this competition. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um. Let's see. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it's kind of a dumb answer because I just I just I do rate him highly, but but uh, Zalowski's been one that really has impressed me just because. You're in these situations, but he's only 19 years old. He'd played, made two games last season. Um, and for him, the responsibility of him, at, because, you know, a lot of these these pressurized situations, the quarterfinal, the semifinal, there's a lot of pressure on players like him to perform. And an inexperienced player sometimes can fold under the pressure and kind of not be able to, to handle it. He starts in that semifinal against Leicester. His his beautiful run sets up that Pellegrini goal to to to, to put Roma in front initially, and I think throughout the tournament he played extremely well from on that left side and and it's not just oh I have to perform for my team I'm a young player I'm going against experience it's also I'm filling the sh- I'm not filling the shoes but I'm filling in for Spinazzola who's one of Roma's most explosive players. Um, in the team and for him to be able to perform the way he has in sort of the, the circumstance of, of sort of going through those motions and being that inexperienced level and having to, to go up against guys who have won big things and players who have been doing this a long time. I think for a 19 year old kid at his age, doing what he has done, I think it's tremendous. And you look at the, the Roma Academy guys, he's, he's among them. The other one I forgot, Pellegrini, obviously. Um, but, you know, you look at the, the, 
the the work he's been put through, the chance he's been given by Mourinho, and he's played he played really a lot of minutes in that competition against Leicester City, against Feyenoord, against uh, Veneze, against Bobo Glint, and he played. Throughout the group, for the most part, he pl- he played uh, a lot of performances in in that tournament, and obviously, I think one of the the young stars of the Conference League this season, and someone who who is not, who has been um, already identified as someone that is going to stay at Roma next season, um, according to Mourinho, because there was talk about him getting loaned out at, when Spinazzola comes back, but uh, I'm not comfortable with that because of how well he played in this tournament, especially and. Obviously, it's it's great winning the thing as a fan. It's great to see a young player play like that. And also, um, Lorenzo Pellegrini was named uh, the the conference league player player of the whatever tournament, whatever. Um, so that's obviously a cool thing. And you know, but in the end, this conference league just taking that back to Rome for a a, a city and a team that hasn't been having success as far as winning trophies for a long time. And to have a European trophy now, joining the group of, of teams in in Italy with the European trophy and being the, the only European champion in Italy since 2010 is obviously, I think, I, you know, it doesn't really matter. It feels good. <laughs> I mean, I actually agree with that. Being a young player, when you're, uh, like when I was 19, I was trying to figure out my first job, but he, he, this kid is coming up in the first squad getting his chance to shine and he proved it in a big way by being able to handle the pressure of being in a European competition along with participating in the league. I mean, it's like these people, I'm just going to say, inter, take notes. I mean, we have a lot of great talent. You learn to use them. But, yeah, I mean, in general, it was definitely a great tournament for Roma. And I would like to congratulate you on welcoming to the trophy club. (laughs) So, between us, we have, what, four trophies now? No. So, so I have have league, uh, two Copa Italia, and Conference League. You have... League and Copa Italia. I'm sorry. The the I we have a Super Cup uh, Italiano, whatever it's called, and you have a Super Cup. I I'm sorry. I just don't count those because it's a preseason. It's it's cool to win, but it's basically a preseason trophy. You're only in that game because you won uh, the league. I didn't get. I mean, I, I just don't take those ser- those co- seriously because in the Copa Italia, you have to go through all these challenges to win. We're in a Super Copa. You just have to win one game. Does that make sense? So I would consider me having four and you having two, but that's just that's just me. Okay, that makes sense. You technically, technically speaking, it's 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 five to uh, to three, but it's cool that you beat Juventus and it's great. But it's I just I I just don't take a lot of value in that type of trophy just because you anybody can win one game. You know what I mean? But to have to go through a grueling Copa Italia, beating Juventus, beating Milan, beating Roma, that's much more impressive to me. You beat Roma, uh, AC Milan, and Juventus in the in the round of sixteen quarterfinal. Uh, sorry, the quarterfinal, semifinal, and, and final. So that's how to view it. But we have, if we're, if we're going by those rules, we have um, 
we have I have four and you have two, so six. Um, if we're talking the last, you know, seven years, and we both have one. <laughs> no, you have two. I have one, so three. <laughs> yeah, that's all the questions I have for you. If you have anything else, yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, so another thing I wanted to mention before we close out is is uh, Nicole Zalowski has also made um, two appearances for his national team as well. So not only do we, does Roma have a guy coming through the ranks and, and doing well, but he also his his country is taking notice in addition to that, which is which is great. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think it's great. He'll be at the World Cup. Italy won't because they're they're garbage after today. They look, I mean they really. I look, know I saw that. Because I was talking, oh, Italy, you're going out, out in the round of 16 uh, before uh, the, the Euros. I was a year off. But they, they just look a bomb. They just look t- – they have a lot of talent, but they just look – they look they look really bad. Um, so <laughs> part of me is like I'm glad uh, Zalowski is actually going to re- represent Poland um, just because he'll be able to play at the World Cup. Um, with Lewandowski too. I mean, how cool must that be? <laughs> you get to play up with with one of the best players in the world. Um, all right. Um, so let's move on to the Europa League. Um, Frankfurt Rangers one one after 120 minutes. Um, I'm sorry, after 90 minutes to go an extra time. Uh, still can't find a winner, and then they go into penalty shootout. Um, with Frankfurt um, and coming up big with the with Kev, uh, Kevin Trapp save on Aaron Ramsey um, and uh, Frankfurt are champions 13th in the Bundesliga but uh, won the Europa League and will be in the Champions League next season as now uh, Germany will have five teams in next year's competition which is great and amazing um, you watched this this week I watched it this week um, what what were your what was your take on the on the game? Uh, what what kind of important things do you think um, are worth mentioning? Um, just I I'm so happy right now because I got to see a penalty shootout, ladies and gentlemen. I was waiting, but I mean, just glad it wasn't your own team because that's a very different situation. Oh, I still wouldn't care if it was Inter. If losing a penalty shootout, if it's your own team, makes you want to kill yourself. (laughs) Well, I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'll jump off that bridge when we get to it. (laughs) (laughs) As they say. But, um, yeah, this was definitely a great match. Um, It was very fast-paced. It was very political. What did you say? I said I would say KG. KG, mm. that's actually a new one. I never heard of that term being used before. Um, I, I, after the after the podcast, I'll, I'll I'll break. I'll tell you what it means, basically. But just just continue. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you had Frankfurt going up in the first midway through the first half. I think it was. No, no, no. It was goals after the first half. Rangers scored first, and then Frankfurt scored after that. Oh, yeah, my bad. But, yeah, I mean, just, like, how these teams were attacking each other. But, I mean, and it was also really good to see the goalkeepers perform at that quality to keep it pretty much 1-1 after 90 minutes. McGregor Um, and Trapp played well. I mean, it's like that just shows how great of a quality 
goalkeepers that some of these teams have. I mean, you look at some other teams and you're sitting there like, get up the goalkeeper like, oh, God, just put me out of my misery. Um, but, yeah, it, the, the attack for both teams was fast and aggressive. The defense was keeping up with everything right and left and center. And obviously, besides those little openings for each of those goals, it was pretty much a really good attack versus defense situation throughout. Um, and then you go to extra time where it still remained 1-1, and then you had the penalty shootout, which basically became um, a keeper situation. And then obviously you had the one slip up from Rangers, which saw – Frankfurt lifting the trophy, uh, and it was great for them because I was hoping they would win. Um, obviously, there's just what I took away from this game is that never sleep on Frankfurt. Frankfurt may not make. Obviously, in this case, they made it a huge push in and won the final of the Europa League, but. In the Champions League next season, do not sleep on them. I think they, they'll they definitely be – I think they'll at least make it to the round of 16 at least. Because- I mean, that all depends on who they get matched at and how they handle their summer. But but I would just generally say in general, unless you're in the group of death, you, you shouldn't – and this is why. You shouldn't sleep on a Bundesliga team, and the reason being – I mean, I've made my arguments why the Bundesliga is just the best. But one of the big reasons I would say that is because the quality of the teams. I'm not saying they have the most overall quality. That's probably a Premier League. Premier League probably has the best top teams and the most world-class players. We get all that. But the quality of the teams in terms of comparison, like if you took Bayern, Bayern is just a monster. We know what Bayern are. We know what Bayern will continue to be. But outside of that, there's a lot of tension between each team. So Frankfurt finished 13th in, in Bundesliga. I think that just speaks to the level of quality, especially this season. Um, and remember, this isn't this wasn't an easy season. They lost Andre Silva, um, you know, the, in the summer, and they they really didn't have a striker most of the season. They still won the Europa League, so definitely not a team to sleep on. But I, I think it all really depends on on who they would get matched with. I mean, but just overall, this was a very electric match from start to finish. Okay, I have, I have, I have a question. Um, obviously, I know Frankfurt's team by the back of my hand because I see them play almost every weekend. Um, for you, someone who doesn't see Frankfurt play every weekend, um, who are some of the players on Frankfurt specifically that stuck out to you? I didn't even memorize players. I was just watching the match, to be honest with you. Okay. But are there players in that game that that stuck out to you? Definitely. There were some that I was looking at. I'm like, I don't obviously don't know names, but there were some players. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember what they looked like? No, I don't. But I do remember that there were players that I'm like thinking, okay, I get, I'll keep my eye out on you, but I can't remember your name. What position? I think it was like an attacking position. Mid- midfield or striker? Striker. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. 
in the future, you should, when you're watching a game like this, it's really important to kind of look at those those crucial pieces. So when you, again, when you see their name or whatever, um, just just make a mental note of it because I think it's important to to be able to to see this team. Obviously, the, the big names here are are Caustic, um, who's been linked with Syria for the last 100 years, uh, <laughs> and oh then obviously, uh, obviously. Um, um, Dashi Kamada, the the uh, Japanese midfielder, who's I think is just a, a absolute spectacular player, and obviously there's there's a lot of other. I like the defense. I think their defense is really well, well put together, and Kevin Trapp is is excellent. Um, PSG um, didn't think he was good enough. He goes to Frankfurt and has been performing at a high level for 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 the, ever since he's arrived. And, um, yeah, and considering the goalkeeping, not issues, but the goalkeeping collapse in the Champions League round of 16 against Real Madrid, I, I think a player like him would have made a big difference. But, no, obviously, this is a um, this is a big win for the Bundesliga. I couldn't be more happy for um, Oliver Glasner's Frankfurt team who – who are going to have an interesting summer because I think it could go one of two ways. Obviously, they're going to get some some cash money from from the competition. Um, Roma got nineteen and a half. Uh, no, Roma got 20, 20 million for winning the Conference League. I'm sure the Europa League winnings are probably a little higher than that. Um, but um, it's going to be an interesting summer because I think they have they have two options here. Um, number one, they can give it another go. They can try to invest and 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 do something in the Bundesliga um, and the Champions League, or they can retool their squad, cash in on Kamada and Kostic, um, and and bring in some some replacements that can that can help build the team for the future. Um, I'm not sure which. I, I really don't know which is the answer, because I don't think either one is is wrong or incorrect. I could see it either way. But from your vantage point. Which route do you think makes more sense to you? Like, go for... What I mean is, so Frankfurt, yes, they won the Europa League. They're in, they're in the thing, but they finished 13th in the league. Um, they have a couple players that are worth a, that worth a good amount of money. With investment could um, shoot them up because they're not winning the league. That's not happening next season. I, I don't think they can make the Champions League considering the quality of the other teams. So the question is, if you're in their situation, would you cash in on Caustics and Kamada and try to rebuild the squad going forward while trying to be competitive in the Champions League? Or do you kind of keep them together for, for one more season and see what you can do with them? I would say... Right now, consistency would be key going forward because when you start, like, selling players and trying to get new players acclimated to your, like, tactics and squad and stuff, it can get really dicey where you're trying to make a push in the Champions League but also trying to focus on the league at the same time. Whereas if you already have a team that is or already, like, proven itself, in certain aspects, I think you're better off giving them one more season and then see where to go from there. Cause that way, cause you already have all your key components, but if you are, they're desperate and they need to want to bring in somebody else, I would sell, say sell Caustic or, 
Well, I can't remember the name of the other Kamad. guy. Right? It, yeah. Kamad. Kamada. Dashi Kamada, Kamada. the Japanese. Okay, <laughs> Why I do you stop saying that? Every time I see a, a great um, uh, player from Japan, I always say the same. I don't know why. It's not even, it's not even a, like a culture thing. It's just for whatever reason, my mind just goes there. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're desperate to, like, make money and try to invest in somebody else, I would say you sell one or the other just so you're not losing both key pieces while trying to maintain, like, that same aggression in the champions and, the and of course, the league going forward. So I would say just... For now, keep the consistency, but if you are desperate, try to sell one or the other, so that way it's not much of a huge loss. Okay, so I totally respect that. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Do, do you think if they keep their team and get one more piece, they can make the Champions League next season with also being in the Champions League as a distraction? If you're, they're able to see keep all the key pieces and secure a a solid investment, I think they could make a good push for the Champions League next season just because you won't lose all, all your key components, but you're still bringing in a new addition to help with, like, depth and everything. So, you, you so again, I know you're not a Bundesliga expert, I'm, but I'm just trying to, trying to understand. So you, you, th- you could see a world where they could make the Champions League. Yes. Okay. I can't. And here's why. Bayern, Leverkusen just re, uh, extended Chick's contract. They're not selling Diaby. They're going to be loaded next season. they got a good coach. Leipzig, they have all the money in the world. If they cash in or not, they're probably finishing ahead of them. A good manager in there. And then then you, you, you're probably looking at Dortmund. Um, so my question, my, like the, the way I would look at this is this. Kostic is 31 years old. I think this is just my opinion. I think they owe it to him. If he wants to go to a different league, they should just grant him that 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 opportunity. I'm I'm with you on Kamada. I'm okay with keeping Kamada there just because he's young enough where you can you can keep him for another season and try to you know try to do something. But just because he's 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 under thirty, for example, and I think he's only like twenty six years old, or something like that. So you could keep him for another year, and it wouldn't like not sabotage, but, but damage his chances of of a bigger move in the future. Where Caustic, I think he's thirty next year. He'll be thirty one at the start of the season, I believe. So if you're going to do something like that, um, you know, I think that's you know it's uh, it's something that I would grant him even if I'm trying to win with Frankfurt and do on the Champions League, if he wants to move to, to not a bigger league, but a better team, whether it's in the Bundesliga, Serie A, the Premier League, I think it's something that they should grant him um, just because the window of him getting, getting sort of um, a, an opportunity to play in a bigger team may, may be not as, as wide as you might think. And remember, we, we talked about this the other week. He's very system-based, so he needs to play in a back five to be truly effective. So if he has an offer from a team that plays that style, I think they should um, they should let him go. But Kamada, I, w- I would hold on to unless someone pays a, 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 a good amount um, 
to do it because obviously I think they're going to invest regardless. But I, I don't think I wouldn't say that their their key players are untouchable. I think if they sold those two and got themselves a proper strike to get them fifteen and twenty goals, I think that would that would do it. But I think uh, Kamada would probably want to keep, but Costa I'd let him go if, if if he wanted to. Would you agree with that sort of mentality regarding? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I could totally see that working. And damn, Kostic is close to my age. Yikes, I'm old. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of players. Ronaldo's, you know, that you can name a lot of players over 30. Neymar is, is exactly my age. Steph Shavari is my age. I mean, it's I mean, it's not like we're eight-year-olds watching football. We're we're adults just like they're adults. There's gonna be they're they're going to be players. That are in our age group. <laughs> That's just how it is. <laughs> um, anyway, um, congratulations to, to Frankfurt, obviously. And Rangers run, I think, it's, has been something crazy, too. Beating Dortmund the way they did. Beating Leipzig. Um, finding a way to beat Braga, I think, I think it's all been very impressive. Um, but uh, Frankfurt, um, obviously, uh, uh, staying on top. All right. Um, Champions League final. Liverpool. Versus Real Madrid again. Um, 2018, obviously we know what happened with uh, Karius kind of doing the most ridiculous goalkeeping ever. Um, and obviously Liverpool had a successful season. They won a couple of trophies, couldn't win the Premier League. Um, and now the Champions League sitting for them. And, and uh, obviously the game happened, the game happened. And obviously the, the talk of, of revenge from Liverpool side and, Angelotti with the possibility of joining an exclusive group. Um, but what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on um, the final? Oh, man, this was definitely fun to watch, too. I was chatting with my boyfriend while watching the match. He was, he was putting his money on Liverpool, and I was putting my money on Real Madrid. And I'm like, sit there, come on, Real Madrid. And then he's giving me the it. But, yeah, I mean... This was just obviously you had the first half, which had um, obviously I know it's probably going to be a point you might bring up. I don't know yet, but obviously you had Benzema finding the back of the net after a deflection off of one of the um, Liverpool players. I think it was their keeper, and then he ends up fighting the back in the net but the goal is disallowed um but then obviously but both of these sides attacked very well along with maintaining a very strong defense throughout um but then you also had the midfield doing a, both all of both of them had great quality chances given to their attack um but then in the second half I, I do believe it was Vinny, who scored, I'm just calling him Vinny because I can't pronounce his correctly. Vinicius but, Jr. It's not that hard. <laughs> Go I on, just, I'm just calling him Vinny. Then he finds the back of the net, giving Real Madrid the 1-0 lead. Liverpool tried to get an equalizer, but the defense of Real Madrid was way too strong, and also the goalkeeper of Coutois was yep. uh, at least I can't remember the keeper. <laughs> Talking <laughs> about saving the Titanic from sinking. I mean, he had such oh, a performance. Oh, I know. I mean, 
especially with some of these shots that Mo Salah and Sané and all these other Liverpool players were firing, it's just seeing him going back and forth like ping pong. It was like, yeah, don't be messing with Courtois because he is one of the, I think, would you say he is an elite goalkeeper? Yeah, he's top five. Yeah, I think he's underrated, but I think he's definitely in that conversation for the best in the world. Um, but I don't think he's the best goalkeeper in the world, but I think definitely in that conversation. I think he's been not only this game, but in previous games as well, coming up with important saves that, that kept Real Madrid in afloat. Um, but, yeah, but I mean, in the final, he was just on the – because I think that the thing that's, that's being missed here is Liverpool's – complete domination of of attacking football i mean the stats usually don't i don't really give a crap about the stats but they had they had an unseen amount of shots an unseen amount of shots on target where real madrid had three shots the whole game and scored on one um so it's just like it was it was a sense of real madrid took advantage when it counted um, but Liverpool had so many chances to break through, and, and and Courtois made it very difficult for them to do so. I mean, just that performance alone from him was huge. Um, and then you have just those last – and then I think it was like five minutes added time where in those five minutes are like the – literally the longest five minutes in like history – it's like because anything literally can happen in that short amount of time, um, but then obviously the final whistle blew, and then you had Real Madrid. Oh, there we go again! Can't talk, can you? Real Madrid lifting the Champions League and saving football yet again. <laughs> I mean, for fourteenth time too. No Ronaldo, still won the league and the Champions. I think that's great. Um, at least for Real Madrid and and, and at Liverpool, I still think had a very good season, but they they've been let down in particular moments. They they had went to three finals and scored zero goals. They won two of those finals on penalties, both against Chelsea, which I just can't believe. That's that's just rotten luck. Imagine being a Chelsea fan, making the FA Cup final and the league final, and move, losing both on penalties. I, oh, I just I, I couldn't take that. When I talk about the cruelty of penalties, just, just imagine that type of situation. So I feel really bad for them. Although Christian Pulisic missed like three huge chances in the set in the FA Cup final, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny, just because you know, me and him uh, just uh, I, I just don't like him. I couldn't – if I was a footballer, I wouldn't uh, – you know, God. Th- th- he should be thanking his lucky stars that I'm not a footballer. <laughs> not that I would fight him, but you know what I – <laughs> you know what I do low-key? <laughs> what would you I would, do? I would play for the under-17 U.S. team, and then, <laughs> and then I'll uh, – in an interview, I just – I just like – I just eviscerate him. And, and the media thing, we, we get it. Captain America for – I don't know any captain that would that aren't even a, a top two player on the U.S. team, but I would eviscerate him, and then I would then I would leave the U.S. and represent Romania. <laughs> That'd be my ultimate dream. Anyway, I'm, I, I don't mean to bash him here, but um, and it's not his fault. The reason I don't like him, as we know, but but yeah. So so 
they had opportunities in both of those to to, to and they can't and it's unfortunate for Chelsea, but Liverpool get to two finals. There's a good season in, in the sense of they win two they win two trophies. Great. Uh they could have won four. Um and yeah, yeah. So you with the Premier League, obviously they're barely missing out. And here they barely miss out with the, the level of domination from Liverpool in this game was incredible. But um minimal chances from Real Madrid, but taking advantage when it counted. I think it was huge. Vinicius Jr. getting that goal. People were making fun of him a few years ago for the amount of money that um that Real Madrid spent on a you know on a, a young Brazilian prospect and and uh, he hadn't really hit lit things on fire yet. And this season, he's been great. Uh, I think he had 20 and 20 season, if I'm not mistaken, and winning the Champions League and scoring the goal in the end. And um, again, Liverpool, Liverpool played a great game and still couldn't win. And I, I, I sense that there's a little bit of a bitterness towards the game, when, given the how many chances they had. But um, in the end, they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't close the deal, and um, and on top of that, um, they're losing Leroy. Son- not sorry, not Leroy. Sorry, Sadio Mane. Um, right this church, summer. Wrong you. <laughs> Wait, what? As we say, right church, wrong you, because it was Sadio something. <laughs> yeah, it's Sadio Mane. And 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 Leroy Sané, <laughs> they're, they're kind of similar. <laughs> I know. And guess what? Next next year we're gonna have a real problem. You know why? Why? Because they're gonna be on the same team. Oh no! It, how confusing is that gonna be? I don't know for certain, but basically he's leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. I'm I'm sure you know. And Bayern Munich are heavy, heavy, heavy favorites to to land him. Um, I don't think he would have left Liverpool for for I wouldn't say any other team, but for any other team that's not giant. Uh, no one all, of all the big teams in the world, Bayern is the one. Um, um, going at after him. And I, I do think that he will, he will be at Bayern Munich next season, whether Robert, Robert Lewandowski is there next season, that's a whole different conversation. We don't know for certain whether that's, that's going to happen. He's, he's made his intentions clear. Oliver Kahn, the, um, the CEO of Bayern isn't too happy with his comments. Um, but I understand where Robert's coming from and all that. But regardless of, of that situation, Leroy Sané in likely in all likelihood is going to be, in, in Bayern at the, uh, he's going to be a Bavarian uh, country next season. Um, I'm happy for him. He's done everything he could possibly do. A Liverpool Champions League winner, Premier League winner, FA Cup winner, League Cup winner, Champions League winner. So he's won everything that is available other than the Europa League um, that uh, they lost with with Klopp in his second season. But but I think he's done a tremendous job at Liverpool. I think he was he was brilliant in the final. Uh, couldn't get it there in the end, which is which is tough. It's a it's a very difficult environment. Um, but um, you know, I, I think Liverpool without him next season, it's going to be it's going to be d- difficult because I know they have Luis Diaz, who's been great, but I think I feel like they need to go out and get someone similar because that's a big loss to the team, considering the amount of goals he scored uh, not in his Liverpool career, but this season he's been specifically uh, really, really special. Um, and I don't like Liverpool. But I think Liverpool with the team they have is amazing. And it's unfortunate they live in an era with Man City. But again, I think they're going to look at this era uh, five, ten years from now uh, with, a, uh, uh, with the mentality of like a missed opportunity. 
because Erling Holland going to Man City is going to make winning the league even more complicated than it already is. And they've only just lost it uh, the last couple of years. So I think it's brutal. But Real Madrid Champions League winners. Angelotti has uh, another Champions League, which is his fourth. Um, I think it's amazing, and I think it's it's incredible. I do think the game was kind of not great, though. I think the game's quality was 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 just kind of average. Um, I, to be honest, I was watching this at the same time as the Europa League. The Europa League was much more interesting to me. I still watch this game, still enjoyed Real Madrid winning, but um, yeah, great final—not uh, great final, but but amazing um, situation. And I think um, obviously the comments about revenge did not help their situation. And Liverpool are on the wrong end of another Madrid team using um, Liverpool comments as motivation. Uh, you just can't write this shit. <laughs> I know, and I and now the sad thing is, someone wake us up in August. <laughs> The, I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna feel that. I think because there's gonna be a lot of interest in, in um, the Champions League um, stuff, uh, transfers, obviously, the World Cup in or in November. So there's gonna be a lot of stuff um, going on. And uh, Ukraine beats um, Scotland today, so they're them and Wales will go head to head for uh, the final spot for the for the group stage. Um, we'll, we'll join um, England, um, the U.S. Iran and and either um, Wales or um, um, sorry uh, Ukraine <laughs> slipped my mind. All right, um, uh, just a few more things to go over uh, before the night is over. <laughs> um, Ivan Perisic officially joins Tottenham Hotspur on a free this um, today. Yesterday, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Uh, what are your thoughts on um, on the move, him leaving and joining up with Conte, and what what are your thoughts on uh, what how Inter will um, replace or uh, handle the, the departure? Um, first and foremost, I have nothing. Us, me, and a bunch of other Inter supporters have nothing but respect for Ivan Perisic for for what he's done with this team. Um, he may not have been like always like there but when he was there it came he always came through in like big ways and it's especially this season where things could have gone the other direction but he was right there in critical moments finding the back of the net or following up on an assist to either Martinez or whoever was near the goal at the time so I mean, just overall, he will he will go down as one of the legends of Inter Milan. Um, in regards to the move, I wish him nothing but the best. Definitely, I I actually think this is definitely a good move for him since he's worked under Antonio Conte before. So for him to like get acclimated back into the get acclimated with Conte and just get reinvolved with him and. Because obviously Conte plays the same similar format. Obviously the three-five-two formation. So I mean, he's going from a one-three-five-two formation situation to adjust that in another team. So I mean, yeah. it's a good move overall. 
Spurs um, are going to be good. They're going to be a fun team to watch next season. I'm going to I'm going to watch uh, them because they remember they have they have him and they also Kulovsky who came from Juventus. I think Conte is going to do bits with with that team and he is 32 years old, but I still think he's going to be really good for the Premier League um, over this next two years. Um, how they go about filling the that role, I have no idea. Um, at the moment because. I don't. I'm trying to think of who we're linked with right now that plays that similar. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not asking for you to bring names up. But how would you, as a Inter fan, how would you like Inter to handle this situation? Is what, I'm, what is what I mean. I mean, for me, I you personally, I would want to like find somebody who can fill the same position because obviously it is clear that. And um, Inzaghi is one of those managers, just like Conte, who very seldomly will change the formation unless it's, like, absolutely needed. So if we don't have somebody in the, like, left – I think it was, like, left back he would play, it's going to be very difficult to find somebody who could fill that role. Or, if anything, you would have no choice but to change the formation where the wing backs aren't like really a part of the equation. Um, but those are the only two options that I could think of that would make the most sense. You um, you feel uh, like um, I think Dumfries is going to play on the other side next season, but uh, goes into you got from from Alanta. Um, any do you, do you, do you believe in that sort of as a replacement, or would you ideally want to go after uh, another um, op- uh, chance? Uh, sorry, <laughs> another um, a player that position. I mean, that would be fair for the most part, but the problem is, is if you're constantly playing Gozens on one side and Dumfries on the other every single week, and along within the Champions League, it's they're gonna get taint easily so for me personally I would also try to maybe add another wing back position to the team just so we have that depth so we can keep the legs fresh the, the, uh, um, the, the, this inter are not linked with this person um, I'm just throwing this as an idea because you know I, I don't control what inter um, you know inter does <laughs> Um, but what, what would you think of uh, Aaron Hickey, who's linked with Arsenal, and that's probably where he's going to end up. But you can offer something that Arsenal can't. What would you think about that as a potential, um, um, as a potential replacement, or not a replacement, but someone you could add? I actually think that's a that's actually a good shout, um, cause especially with what he's done with Bologna. Um, I mean, he's young, he has talent. He's on a team that has a great team but just doesn't perform to snuff. So, I mean, giving him a chance to move up to another team where he would be able to get, um, like, more minutes, in my opinion. I don't know what I'm saying right now because I'm half out of it. But, I mean, that would definitely be a great idea because he's quick, agile, can – drop back to a defensive role and if, if it's needed. So, yeah, I think that would definitely be a great option to add to the Inter's arsenal. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a possibility. I don't know if it's a possibility. I, I just know that um, it would be a need. Uh, Kostic is maybe another one that you could look at. Um, and there's there's a few others across Europe. Um, 
but you kind of need someone who can play that kind of system or can play right back if needed. Um, just versatility, uh, kind of in that area. Um, let's see. Um, this isn't, we don't have to debate this or anything, but I just, I found out today that, um, Alanta have hired a new sporting director. Um, the one that has been working with Verona. Um, so that's, I don't know. I think that's an interesting kind of move. It seems like Alanta's kind of, um, accepting where they are right now and that the era of, of Gasparini attacking minded football is, is probably over. And I think it's a good approach to kind of, uh, swing things on. Um, so what were your thoughts on, on them kind of going, starting to, to, to accept the route and, uh, get back to what, not get back to what they were, but kind of, um, go through a uh, transition and, and, uh, in, in that regard. Obviously with the new sporting director and just like, I think it's time to basically do like a rebuild of the team and finally starting off with like the sporting director who can like go out and scope prospects and who they want to bring into this team and who they want to keep and who they want to like, sell and stuff is definitely a start in the right direction and also looking at other managerial options if Gasparini doesn't like change like certain scenarios certain things so I think just this is obviously for them is a good start going forward because you got to start at the top and then work your way to the bottom so at least for now the sporting director was the first person to be changed. And then obviously over the next few months, we'll see what happens in regards to transfers and Gasparini's job. But I mean, it is a rebuild situation at this point. So we'll see what the sporting director has in mind and we'll be reporting the action throughout the summer with whatever developments occur. Yeah. um, I don't think they're getting rid of Gasparini. I think there's no sense in doing that. He underachieved for his team, but but his team is still going to be in the top eight consistently. And I think there's, I just don't think there's a there's a big need for them to do that. But I, I, would, I would keep him there, but start, um, you know, rebuilding the squad and and you know do what you got to do to kind of get themselves not back to what they were because that's going to be impossible. Um, but but kind of a European type of team, top seven. I don't think we should expect Champions League football for them next season. I don't think we should expect we should just should expect them to do at least um, portray themselves in the European picture at least. All right, I mean that's this has been the winner's circle. Um, we'll probably the next couple of weeks just uh, talk about potential moves and stuff that's going on with, with um, World Cup qual- um, qualifying as, as everything gets formed and eventually do like a World Cup preview and all that stuff. Um, see if we're going to see Sané and Mane together at Bayern next season. And That's uh, going to be fun. Welcome to I, w- I want it to happen so bad just so we can just, – just because the announcer and just so we can talk about that. <laughs> Coming on the left wing, Sade sends a cross into the box. It's mine. <laughs> I want them to connect on so many goals next season just because the stuff that the announcers and the pundits are going to have to say. <laughs> um, but <laughs> anyway, um, so we'll, we'll talk um, next week. Uh, we'll have something planned. I don't know what we'll, we'll be yet, but. Um, 
probably more transfers, more stuff that's going on, and um, so on and so forth. So thank you for listening. See you later.